in two Sipping and roasting is what we do Light them up, drink them down Whiskey and cigars all around Cheers, y'all That sounds like a party. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine radio program, podcast, and video extravaganza known internationally as Hi, the world famous smoking and toasting. You know and, uh, that well. I got to tell you, you're getting just the perfect amount of fry on your voice. You know, really I went nice. through I went through a couple of weeks where I wasn't hitting it, and and I don't know whether it was you know weather, allergies, whatever it was, but I feel like I've, I feel like I I'm back Stella in the totally z- got her mojo back today. Yeah, I'm back <laughs> in good. back in the zone. So, uh, Ian, it is show number two hundred. 98 we that are is mathematically exactly halfway to 333 yeah i'm very excited about it we're uh we're not on paper. O- we're not only excited about With that math. but we're also excited to have a uh I- i'm going to refer to him as a dignitary of the whiskey distillation scene i love that we have the dignitary who is responsible for a whiskey that's really just become available in in our area, and we'll talk about where else it's available, but it's an Irish whiskey, and it's called Limavati. Did I get it? Did I pronounce it right? Perfect. Limavati. Okay. okay. <laughs> we we were messing it up like left and right before the show started, but let's just let's just remember that I got it right once. Well, we, we're going to know it's good if we're mispronouncing it by the end of the show. <laughs> that's, that's, that's absolutely right. That's, that's absolutely right. right. Uh, so our guest today is the master distiller and CEO of Limavati Irish Whiskey, uh, Mr. Daryl McNally. Daryl, welcome. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. Great to be here. It is so nice to have you on, and I'm I'm very excited to try the whiskey because I have not tried it. So this will be this will be a first time for me. Same so here. Very 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 stoked about this. But uh, and we'll talk more about this later on. But you're not just some guy who launched a whiskey, you got a background in this distillation business, don't you? Oh, God, yeah. 24 years now in total. Ooh, uh, but wow. I, I always tell the story. I say it goes back 48 years because I was born into an Irish bar. And I mean literally come out of my mother to an Irish Inside. family bar. <laughs> so 24 years making whiskey, but 48 years <laughs> in the trade. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love it. Now, one of the things, I took a few moments to go uh, and, and peruse your website a little bit. And one of the things I came away from it with was this sense that this is not just like something you do you didn't necessarily do this because you're an entrepreneur not saying that you're not but this is a passion for you absolutely that's that's what i got out of the website is like this is something you absolutely love you you have to do this right it's like about talking like your children about your children you know this this is my baby uh you know you just get paid that keeps the wife happy (laughs) (laughs) uh, listen there's nothing wrong with (laughs) there's nothing wrong with paying the bills that's for sure yeah but but you have been you've been doing um Prior to Limavati, you've been in the distilling uh, side of the business, and you've also won a number of awards, haven't you? Correct, yeah. So I, I started back in Bush Mills in 1998 okay. uh, when Perna uh, Ricard was, was owning Irish distillers, which was all Irish whiskeys in Ireland, mm-hmm. practically. Then in 2005, Diageo bought Bush Mills over. So, uh, yeah, worked for Bush Mills for about 17 years and then left Bush Mills, built a distillery in Dublin from scratch. Wow. Uh, brought out other brands, the Dubliner, Dublin Liberties, the Dead Rabbit Irish Whiskey, where we won lots of awards. Uh, but Limavati was always tugging at the heartstrings, and uh, I wanted to bring Limavati back to life, a really old whiskey brand. So I was I was just about to ask, this isn't a new brand, is it? No, not at all. It dates back to 1750. 
Uh, but the, the 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 reason I wanted to bring it back to life is my family actually owned it in 1880, so it was wow. tug, tugging no at the old heartstrings, you know. Yeah, How absolutely. Cool is that? Yeah. So you not only revived a a classic brand, but you revived a classic brand that was once owned by your family. That's exactly. fantastic. My, my family that. was haunting me to bring it back. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, we're going to be tasting it. We're going to be talking about it. Talking about what it's like to build a distillery from scratch. That had to be quite an experience. Absolutely. Uh, so we have a. A lot to uh, a lot to do on the show today, but we're really thrilled to have you uh, in in the studio, Daryl, and we're very very excited to taste the whiskey. Speaking of tasting, we'll be tasting some beers as well from uh, Porter, Texas, right in our neck of the woods. The Back Pew Brewing Company has a goza called Gangplank Goza. We'll be tasting that. <laughs> nice. uh, yeah, I like the uh, I, li- I like the name. We'll be tasting that. We'll also be uh, headed to Ashburn, Virginia. Well, not literally, but we're going to be. Uh, representing a brewery from Ashburn, Virginia, uh, called the Old Ox Brewery, and they have a beer called October Beer, and that is their Marzen-style yeah. lager. Yeah, October Beer with the German spelling B-I-E-R, and uh, that's from Ashburn, uh, Virginia. And then from Farmville, North Carolina, this is going to be one of the. I don't know whether this is the stupidest or the coolest name for a brewery ever. <laughs> it's called the Duck Rabbit Brewery. I saw that. And we'll be tasting their duck rabbit milk stout. Duck rabbit. Yeah, duck rabbit. I, I've heard of Someone duck, likes hunting, maybe? I've heard of duck, duck, goose, but I haven't duck heard rabbit. of duck, duck, rabbit. So anyway, we'll figure that out. Maybe that's the so, flying rabbits. Hey, duck, rabbit. All that plus uh, all that plus uh, some Limavati <laughs> Irish whiskey. So we got a lot of good things to talk about today. Uh, tell you about some cigars to watch for. And Ian is ukulele-less. Is that a word? Ukulele-less, yes, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, so he won't be able to give us the background music. Maybe you can just hum uh, something while it's, I... It's hard to hum ominous things. <laughs> oh, like the teaser headline yeah, for Drinking like News? Headline, yes. <laughs> so um, uh, uh, I, I will just uh, tell you, Daryl, that we have a segment here on the show that has turned out to be the most popular segment ever, against all odds. It's the one people are always talking to us about and let us know how big of a deal it is. It is a segment we call Drinking News. And Drinking News is a a new story every week, something that is actually, it's not made up or from The Onion or one of those uh, sites. It's something that appeared on at least a somewhat reputable uh, uh, news story. Sometimes it is Fox News, but they're somewhat reputable. Uh, And we we, uh, bring you the story that is sometimes about drinking, Mm -hmm. but that is always best listened to if you've been. Drinking. drinking and that's what that's what drinking news is all about so we wait until later in the show after we've you know been doing a little tasting uh, to bring you drinking news and ian has found an electric guitar <laughs> well, yeah. I, I always have one of those in my pocket <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> where do you keep yours you're you're unplugged i take it i am unplugged so i'm gonna see if i can get this close enough to the mic to do the to teaser, do a little, headline, uh, teaser headline okay here we go go ahead That worked, except you bumped the mic because you were oh, so close. Oh, hold on. Let me, get, let, me, let, me, let me stabilize here. Yeah, yeah. Ready? yeah, try it again. One more time. Our Drinking News teaser headline today, a story you can give a crap about. That worked rather well, actually. There you go. You could almost do the Drinking News theme song on now that. I feel like doing a sweepy solo. <laughs> 
you're, right. you're you're impressing me over here. That's 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 very very good. So a lot of interesting things to come on the show today, and really excited about uh, Limavati. This will be uh, for both of us our first time to to be able to taste this. So it's uh, it's really exciting. Uh, Ian, do you have an opportunity? Uh, I know it's been a crazy day for you, but I bet you had an opportunity to smoke something. It has interesting. been a crazy day, but I did schedule. I have scheduled everything to the T today. Yeah, by I've the got way. one of those days going too. I, I did schedule in smoking a cigar. Yeah, which is funny because I usually don't like schedule it as tightly as i did but it worked out just perfect i well, stopped by uh you're a fan of saying uh, that you can't hurry up and smoke a cigar right i mean when you smoke a cigar that's time to sit and chill and you don't have to worry about like your schedule and everything else right, well right. today i'm a little worried about my schedule but i picked a cigar that was the right size and um i went up to uh casa de monte cristo just a little bit ago and uh decided to try the new well this new to me it's not new i think it came out in 2021 but it's the uh agonorsa leaf rare leaf reserve oh no i've heard of of it i have not smoked one but i've seen them all right well let me tell you about this cigar okay um so uh it's uh, the one i smoked was the robusto it's a five and a quarter by 52 um it's a nicaraguan puro so Uh, and and on um I'll, i'll read a little thing uh that i uh I just snipped it from uh, Half Wheel, so uh, I think this was Charlie. Uh, the Rarely Reserve, a cigar that incorporates a cafe wrapper grown in Jalapa, covered uh, covering dual Carrillo uh, 98 binders taken from two different farms, as well as a filler made up of both Criollo and uh, Corojo 99 tobaccos. So Nicaraguan Puro here, the appearance on this. Light milk chocolate in color uh, with maybe a hint of red, maybe a little, uh, just just a touch. Dual bands on it. Uh, there's an Agonorsa leaf band and a rare leaf band right underneath it. Uh, you can see that in the picture right here. Uh, oily and smooth, uh, leathery to the touch, small veins all throughout. Uh, very firm feel, like very, very firm feel on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can almost hit somebody with it. <laughs> the pre-light sniff on this, uh, barnyard uh, chocolate. A little bit of candy kind of uh, nose to it. Uh, cappuccino and hay. Okay. Hay. Hey. Uh, the, <laughs> the pre-light draw on this. I used the clip. Uh, it had a medium draw overall, tangy earthiness, leather, mild coffee, and chocolate. I got out of wood, hay, and tea leaf. It was actually pretty complex right off the bat. Like, Sounds and like I haven't it. even lit it That's yet. for the pre-light, yeah. Right? And then, and it left a little bit of a tingle on the lips from the wrapper, too. Mm, nice. And then we get into the initial light. Are you ready for this? Lay it on me. I don't have a song for it yet. But I put this in all caps, so I want you to understand that when I read this, I'm reading in all caps. Nicaraguan Pepper Blast. Nicaraguan Pepper Blast. Now, let me explain what that means on this cigar. Mm -hmm. It starts off with spicy pepper stuffed with pepper, (laughs) topped with pepper, with an underlying pepper and fresh cut lumber that has been coated in pepper. (laughs) The retrohale is peppery and cedar with notes of pepper. So you're saying you got a little bit of pepper on this cigar. Leaving a lingering aftertaste of peppered leather. Okay. So the initial light on this was like the absolute the Nicaraguan pepper Nicaraguan blast. Pepper blast. So it was absolutely Nicaraguan crazy. tobaccos are known for um, having a, a, a lot of pepper characteristics to them. And sometimes when you're smoking a Nicaraguan cigar, when you first light it, you get this initial blast of that that almost has to settle down before you can really start getting more out of the uh, the cigar. So that's what, when we talk about the Nicaraguan pepper blast, it's that first, you just lit it and wow. Huge, huge. Yeah, and, and and as it as it was my first cigar of the day, it was it was pretty big on the palate. Yeah, you wow. know? yeah, for sure, for sure. Did, so, it, did uh, it calm down though? Well, let me tell you about it. Uh, the first third of this pepper settles in and reveals a complex bouquet of notes, including coffee, milk, chocolate, hay, cedar, leather, and cookie dough. 
in no particular order. Dense, rich smoke in abundance is perfect for smoke rings. Uh, a touch of cayenne shows up in the back of the palate and lingers long to, uh, into uh, like a sweet cookie dough and coffee aftertaste. Uh, the retrohale is cedar and nutty with a touch of sweetness, solid ash, and good burn overall. Good. So that's the first third of this. So yes, the pepper did settle down enough to like let a whole host of flavors come in. The second third of this, uh, I got a lot of tea leaf and coffee with earth and cedar. Peppery notes come and go kind of on a schedule of their own. Uh, nutty and toasty flavors surface here and there as well. Uh, cayenne is consistent and pleasantly tempered by a sweet coffee and cookie dough. The burn has gone from even to uneven and back on its own. Well, wow. no tending. It just kind of is doing it just kind of got a little crooked and then it yeah, straightened out. Yeah, it got out. a little crooked. And, yeah, and it, it was kind of doing that throughout the cigar, but mm -hmm. I never tended it and it, it burned fine. Uh, medium strength overall, I would say. Uh, once you get past the, the Nicaraguan pepper blast, it was incredibly intense. But um, once you get past that, I think this is a medium cigar overall. Retro hails a little sweeter uh, with uh, coffee and toast at this point. Coffee and cookie uh, with a hint of chocolate on the aftertaste. The aftertaste on this cigar was really nice. It just left this really lingering flavor, this sweet cookie dough and, and, and coffee with just a hint of pepper a lot of times. Solid ash, good burn. The last third of the cigar. Smoke rings are fun. <laughs> you can see that in this picture right over here. Yeah. Or, or that one, perhaps. Well, no, he's not going to put it here. He's going to put it here. Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> so, this is our continuing joke where our producer, once he puts the video up, everywhere I point, he's going to put the picture somewhere, somewhere else. else. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I always look like it's wrong. That's Adam in the cloud. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he's doing that. I need to watch it. I've listened to him. But yeah, I haven't yeah. watched him. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, see, smoke rings are fun and easy with the massive amount of smoke in each puff. Uh, cedar dryness plays well with the cookie dough sweetness and hints of dark chocolate. Cayenne has all but disappeared at this point, replaced with kind of a leather and pleasant campfire note. Mm -hmm. The retro hail is sweet and earthy with toast and cedar. The aftertaste is kind of a chicory coffee and, and chocolate toast kind of thing going on. Nice. Solid ash, good burn. This you get a lot of different flavors in this, this one. I mean, this, it was very this seems like it seems like more more even than usual. It was what you're pulling like, out. This of is there. the kind of cigar if you lit it in a casual situation, it would take your attention. Like it would just you would have to pay attention to this. Nice. It's doing so many things. Um, this cigar cost me eleven dollars and fifty cents. So it's not a cheap cigar by any means. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a particularly small cigar. It smoked for an hour, right at an hour, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh smoke time. Um <clears throat> At $11.50, I give it a solid five. You're getting exactly what you pay for in this cigar. Um, there's a lot of great cigars at mm -hmm. the $11 to $12 sure. range. Um, and this was good and worth every penny of it. So so we have a, a, a sort of a price to quality scale that we use when we're talking about cigars. And we do, it is a one to 10 scale. But if you, if you score a five, it means you got what you paid for. If you score over a five, that means actually you, the cigar was maybe batting a little bit above its uh, above its class. You know that that even if it had been a little more, you'd have felt still felt pretty good about what your investment was. And it can be difficult for any cigar that's more than about ten dollars premium price. Yeah, range, yeah, to ever get anything more than a five. It's, I mean, when it's ten dollars, you got to for it to get higher than a five, you would have to almost say, you know, if it had been fourteen. I wouldn't have felt like I overpaid. Right. You know, and, and we always kind of hesitate to do that because we don't want them to go out and raise the prices. So, <laughs> so there's, <laughs> there's that. that. Uh, well, I went the other direction. Uh, I smoked the Rocky Patel Mulligan's Eagle Reserve 
hook, and hook just refers to the uh, the robusto size. Now the Mulligans is one of their kind of uh, off brand kind of thing. It is. is it's this is the second week in a row now that I'm smoking something that I got in a sampler order from Holtz Tobacco in Philadelphia. And this is another Holtz exclusive. You may remember that I smoked the Argyle Conundrum last week Ar and talked about that yes. as being a, a a really good uh you know budget cigar. Yes. Uh, well this one also came in the sampler and I was looking through trying to find something in my humidor that I hadn't you know, smoked and talked about on the show yet, and this was what I landed on. So Rocky Patel Cigars does a whole line of cigars for Holtz, and they use the name Mulligans for this whole line. I guess Rocky's a big golf guy. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and each one has its own designation. In this case, it's called the Eagle Reserve. So the story goes that Eagle Reserve is a cigar that Rocky blended in his uh, factory that was based on kind of loosely on the very popular 95-rated Rocky Patel Decade Cigar, which both of us have had and is quite good. If the story is true, and I don't know that it is, but if it is true, he did such a good job with this blend, and it was so similar to the Decade, that he was a little bit worried that releasing it would hurt the sales of the Decade, which uh, kind of makes some sense. Right. So apparently he decided to sort of quietly ushered the Eagle Reserve out the door to Holtz as one of the cigars in the Mulligan's line. It's a pretty good story, but if it's true, it does raise the bar a little bit for the expectations on this lesser-priced cigar, right? right? Uh, it's rolled with Dominican and Nicaraguan fill, uh, fillers, and it uh, was a pretty silky-looking, uh, for a budget cigar, Mexican San Andres wrapper. So, you know, right away you're like, Mexican San Andreas wrapper in a budget cigar? Yeah, that's Yeah, a... you don't see that a lot. So with the possible exception of the kind of goofy-looking band, I really hate the font they use for the word mulligans, which you can see right here. Uh, it certainly doesn't look like a bundled cigar, but it does come in bundles, not in boxes. The wrapper's nice and oily. Uh, Pre-light sniff gave me rich tobacco notes and a bit of leather. Cold draw, pretty much the same. So I used a punch, and I lit the foot of the cigar, and I was waiting for the Nicaraguan pepper blast, right? And uh, I was waiting, waiting for it to give me the business. But uh, even though there was definitely pepper in the first third, I didn't get the bum rush from the initial light, uh, like what you were talking about with uh, with yours today. Either that or I'm getting immune to the Nicaraguan pepper blast. <laughs> and that could be one or the other. Anyway, I mentioned pepper, but I also got a distinct vibe of dark chocolate, hints of Maduro sweetness, and a note of toasted nuts. By the second third, I was able to detect that leather note that I'd gotten in the pre-light and the nutty note morphed a little became more like toasted almonds which i love toasted nice. almonds so uh dark cherry flavors made an appearance pepper and a hint of citrus zest on the retro hail the final third of the eagle reserve was every bit as good as the first two chocolate ramped up a little bit i got a little baker's yeast on the palate uh, the flavors seemed to almost kind of as i smoked the cigar like switch positions with some fading into the background only to return in full force a little bit later as i went on uh, so it was offense and defense. nicely yeah nicely complex and quite pleasing construction couldn't have been any better solid ash perfect burn as ian is prone to say as far as the particular cigar i smoked there were no construction issues and that's a big selling point for a budget cigar yeah. uh so here's a big question was it in fact as good as a rocky patel decade mm. believe it or not 
I'm going to say that it was. Wow. I kept waiting for something in the flavor profile or or a burn issue, something that would be my aha moment where it'd go, okay, and that's why this costs so much less. But the thing is, that never happened. It it didn't burn fast or no no short filler kind of thing. This medium-bodied cigar smoked almost exactly like a Rocky Patel decade. Uh, In fact, one of the things I'm going to do now is – Go and get a decade do the side by and, side. and do a side-by-side yeah. to see how, how close it really is. But if you'd given it to me without the band. I want to see that day when you sit down and you have a cigar in each hand. Yeah, and you're going one, you're two, going back one, two. <laughs> you're going to have to get a straw you, for your drink. If you'd given me this without the band, <laughs> the only thing that would give it away is the shape. Eagle Reserve is round and the decade is a box right, press. Box right? press yeah. uh, so what I'm talking about here, and my one caveat is that I'm basing it on only one cigar. Because as we know, with you know lesser priced cigars, sometimes the quality will vary a bit more from stick to stick. But I'm basing this only on one cigar. Your mileage may vary. The reason that I'm going to be ordering a bundle of these right after the show is that I basically smoked a ten to eleven dollar cigar for just over three bucks. Wow. And I do reserve the right to smoke a few more, make sure the quality is consistent. But if it is, I have a new favorite in the a budget cigar department. Yeah, uh, recommended. Thumbs up. Price to quality at three dollars to three fifty a stick. Lay it on me. Eight. Wow. That's how good it was. That's huge. I mean, think about it. At three fifty maximum, um, it smoked like a ten dollar cigar. That's crazy. So eight on the price to quality scale. That's a huge I don't, score. Have I ever given an eight before? I don't know. I maybe th- I know one time. A seven point five. Yeah, maybe one time. So anyway, and we, recently you did a four point four four. I do remember that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and we're looking forward to show number three hundred thirty three. There's okay, symmetry there. Good. There's something that we really Someone's like about those numbers repeating here. numbers. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, it's time to talk uh, whiskey. We want to find out more about Limavati, how this uh, particular recipe came to be, what was involved in uh, doing. A, uh, a whole build of a whole distillery from scratch. Awesome. And then before too long, we'll be tasting some of the Limavati. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It is Smoking and Toasting. Our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. All among Good Ian's things. favorite things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so welcome back to show number 298 with our special guest from Limbavati uh, Whiskey, which we're going to talk about in just a few moments. But after uh, seven years, I wanted to give you a little cigar news here. After seven years with Rocky Patel Premium Cigars, Hamlet Paradise has left the company. Uh, he's going to be working as a consultant in the in- industry. You've seen uh, the Hamlet Cigars in yep. the Rocky Patel line, right? Well, uh, he started, Parody started as a cigar roller in Cuba's Partagas factory before mm. serving as an ambassador for Habanos uh, SA, where he would uh, perform in-shop rolling demonstrations around the world. Rocky Patel bumped into him at one of those and offered him a job, and he spent uh, seven years with Rocky Patel uh, debuting uh, a number of different cigars, include, including Liberation by Hamlet and Hamlet 25th Year. Rocky Patel will retain ownership of those and they will still be made and manufactured. Well, we by met Rocky him at uh, the Big Smoke when we went. I believe uh, we did. Here. Now we, so we've met we've met Nish, we've met Hamlet, and we've met uh, Rocky. Yeah, and uh, and they're all quite different and enjoyable in their own way. Yes. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's kind of a big deal though because uh, what was interesting though is that uh, um, Hamlet's cigars apparently represented only about one percent 
of Rocky Patel's Total Sales. So they aren't the most popular cigars in the lineup. They're actually pretty good. I've had a couple of them. They're, yeah, they're Rocky actually Patel's quite good. Rocky Patel's pretty big. So if you're, if you're reaping 1% of Rocky Patel, you're probably doing That's true. And something. and you're also competing with The Edge and The Decade and yeah. all of the uh, extremely popular and and uh, and successful cigars that, that he has. So anyway, kind of interesting to see a little movement in the cigar industry. Now, there's been a lot of movement in the last uh, decade or so. In the whiskey industry here in the United States, there are so many regions. Texas whiskey really has kind of become a thing over the last uh, ten to fifteen it, years. It's got its own, uh, got uh, its own section yeah. now in a lot of places, and, and its own sort of designation. Yeah. Uh, and and one of the things, and we talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, is that Irish whiskey worldwide has now moved to where it is outselling scotch whiskey which that is kind of a big deal because when you think of you know old line old world whiskeys you tend to have a tendency to think first of scottish but irish whiskey has come on really really strong and of course your background in it goes you know back to how many years did you say? Yeah, uh, twenty-four years. Nineteen ninety-four forty-eight. I understand. So you were basically born into the business, absolutely, for lack of a better way to say it. And at what point in time did you start actually learning how to distill whiskey? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, born into the family bar, but uh, sort of learned learned the ways. Pouring the most perfect pint of Guinness by the time I was two, and nice. knew the difference between clear spirits and brown spirits, but. Really, it was only after university I said to my father, hey, I've got a job at uh, Bushmills Distillery. So my mum and dad weren't one bit surprised because they said, yep, yeah, we could see it coming. <laughs> so, uh, Love it. So actually, my, my primary degree was accountancy and corporate financial management, but that was way too boring for my personality. <laughs> so uh, to be a master distiller, you need to, well, you need to have a science background. You need right. to have a media background and been able to talk to you guys, uh, mm -hmm. but also you know, have the serious ability to, to make whiskey as well. So you need to have about three or four personalities, which thankfully <laughs> I have. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was uh, no surprise when I started at Bushmills uh, as buying the bottles and labels and caps and corks. And then I got seconded on to a project which went really well. So the production director said to me, hey, you know, what job do you want? And I said, what do you mean what job do I want? Pick a job because, you know, you really helped us out this last few years. You've proven yourself in the company pick a job so i said can i be the next master distiller at bushmills i don't think he expected that i think he expected <laughs> me to stay in operations or something so he went yeah okay yeah that that works wow and then it takes about seven years to train to be a master distiller. i was going to say that yeah. that's just the beginning though because right. you have to learn all the stuff yeah. right yeah. yeah you have to then be guided by the master distiller before you and then to get the title or to usually to get the title you need to be running your own distillery for a period of time so at Bushmills, I ran uh, a distilling team of 10 people, which is 365 days a year, 24-7. I had two warehouse teams, Vatten, Disgorging, Cooperage, uh, Laboratory, all those good things, sort of everything right through before bottling. So it was a great learning curve, and I loved every minute of it there. Now, nice. Now, I, want, I want to come back to this, but I have to sidebar for just one sure. second. You mentioned very early in this, uh, in this discussion uh, that you, at a very young age, learned how to uh, to draw the perfect pint of Guinness. Oh, yeah. So explain to us in, in just a few words, mm -hmm. what is the perfect pint? What makes it the perfect pint? Perfect pint of Guinness, it should take about 119 seconds to do a perfect pint of Guinness. Not 120, not 115. 119. 119 seconds. Yeah, and then another 119 to drink it. 
I love it. <laughs> I've, I've got it down to, to right about four and a half. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not joking. We do Guinness races from time to time, and and, and that puts me on the A team, but just because there's some faster. Yeah, yeah. My my dad always said the key to it was you have to have the right gas for right. for Guinness, so it, mm-hmm. it can't be like a larger gas. So it has right. to be the right, right, right. nitrogen. A hydrogen level so and, and the right um, just the right amount of the carbonation right correct yeah correct and then you pour it about two-thirds of the way down by just setting the pint like like this and then just a gentle Hard pour, pour for mm-hmm. about two-thirds down the center right down the center yeah and then you let it settle and then you just push back to put the final head on it just to nice. give that perfect nice. uh, well i thought it'd be else. great to ask you since you're not like representing guinness right no. like, this is just this is just from somebody who learned to do it and, yes. and that's uh yeah. that's awfully cool well uh so back to the whiskey uh you were at bushmills for how long as i was at bushmills for 17 years okay yeah so i left on the first of april 2015 uh, and that was because uh, there was a renaissance of Irish whiskey. So I was getting calls almost every week or month saying, hey, can you help us design a distillery? Can you help us build a distillery? So it was with a heavy heart I left Bushmills because, you know, I always really wanted to end up sitting here today talking about Limavati. But there were certain things in my bucket list I wanted to do, and that was to build, design and build a distillery from scratch. Now, you mentioned the renaissance of Irish whiskey. Yeah. What caused that? Where did it come from? Well, I, you were saying there about Scotch whiskey. So back in the early 1900s, before the dark days of Irish whiskey, um, Irish and Scotch were exactly the same number of cases sold. It was about 14 million. And then in the early 1900s, we had the Prohibition. You had the mm-hmm. First World War. You had the Irish Civil War with Britain, <coughs> Britain where there was an export There's embargo. There's a few interruptions put. there, yeah. Sorry. A few interruptions oh, there, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah quite, quite a few interruptions. So that sort of closed down the very lucrative Irish whiskey uh, world at that time. There was 102 distilleries, and essentially they all closed back in the early 1900s, which was, you know, sad days for So Irish. it really was the dark days. It if, really, if, really was. If almost all of those distilleries closed, and there really is no Irish whiskey being distilled at that time to speak of. Correct, and then the whole sort of lucrative American market sort of was took over by Scotch. Right. So Scotch grew then from about 14 million to, I think it sits about 95 million cases today. Mm-hmm. Uh, American whiskey is about 50 million, and Irish is only slowly getting back to where it belongs. So it's about 13, 14 million as we speak, but it's growing exponentially. Yeah, it's been growing yeah. a lot. It, it really has. What do you think is the reason that it is the fastest growing segment of the whiskey business? Well, I always say there's 7 million Irish in Ireland. There's 70 <laughs> million in, in the U.S., so yeah. there's there's that common ground of wanting to be Irish and, mm-hmm. and wanting to drink Irish whiskey. But I think Irish whiskey is it's more approachable. It's it's sort of easier to, to drink, easier to learn to drink. And I think uh, in this current world, people, you know, they want the younger generation want quality. They mm-hmm. want to know everything about it, how it's made, the credentials of who's making it. Uh, all those good things. So Irish whiskey, I think, is just cool at the minute. Uh, and I think bringing out a whiskey like Limavati, it just adds to the whole reputation of, of quality and uh, something new. I always say the Irish laugh at everything other than making whiskey, you know, and that, <laughs> that uh, God created Irish whiskey to stop the Irish from ruling the world sort of thing. Yeah, that's exactly, I was actually just about to bring that up. So, uh, so yeah, no, no that's, that, that's an old uh, joke and quite true. But there seems to be something about the spirit of the Irish that's just that's just different. If you uh, and, and I say this from a totally American uh, viewpoint, right? But if you sit an Irish guy, a British guy, and say a Scottish guy together at a table, 
even gonna be a fight. Even well, <laughs> it, it does <laughs> sound like it does sound like a walks into a bar uh, <laughs> uh, joke, doesn't it? No, what I was gonna say is that I could tell even if none of them had you know, the different accents, I could tell you who the Irish guy was. It would be there's a certain attitude among the Irish, and it's it's boisterous and it's fun loving. Not that you don't find that in the others, but it's just the Irish. I I, I can understand just based on you know uh, a sort of a reading of the Irish people that I know both from yeah. here and from Ireland why whiskey is so popular it's a, it's a fun loving culture even though it's had its you know issues with war and and you know religion and, and things that have that have been much darker but at at heart i think the irish people are so fun loving and i have irish in me so i i, I feel like i get a little bit of that you know yeah, yeah i'm i'm part irish part american indian which means i love the fire water but i better not drink too much of it you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so um, I, I'm really excited to taste this. We want to uh, start actually by tasting a beer, though, which is what we do in in this segment. And I think I will uh, prevail upon Ian to see if he can uh, uh, open this up and give us some samples. Well, if here. I must. Uh, Back Pew Brewing is uh, we consider them local. They're from Porter, Texas, and they are uh, they're really quite innovative. They've they've got some really good brews going on at Back Pew. I was not uh, the I don't remember now what the first back pew uh, beer was that I had. Seder Swill, I think, was the first one I had. Yeah. I, I, but they I, have a few, quite a few. I didn't wind up being a huge fan of it until um, until a little bit later when I tried a, more of their line. And I was like, oh, these guys have got some really, really good stuff going on. So I'm excited for a Goza. The Goza is a very, uh, the Goza is a very um, tart and refreshing sort of a beer and uh and i think we're i think we're good there um so back pew gangplank goes uh um this is a light drinker actually at 3.9 percent yeah it's not a big alcohol beer it's more like a summer refreshing it says and still just warm enough here that drink it works up me hearties yo ho a yeah. i this grog ye be holding do <laughs> let me see if i can do better than this <laughs> <laughs> Let me see if I can do. I can do better than this. I, this groggy beholden, uh, do fine for wetting ye whistle in a summer's eve, just like any good sea dog. It's hard to read this. It's kind of annoying. Uh, oh yeah, just like any good sea dog, it'd be sour at heart and uh, and of course a bit salty. And yet you can <laughs> you can protect yourself from the dreaded scurvy with a juicy taste of orange. Drink up me, uh, drink up me hearties, uh, for your men tell for for dry men tell no tales. That's what it says. Dry men tell no tales. Yeah. Okay, so on the nose, you get a little bit, you certainly get a little bit of the salt. You can tell that there's going to be some tart and sour, but you also get it's almost like I almost get the ocean here, <coughs> and maybe it's the maybe it's the orange that is making me think that, but <laughs> it almost smells like salt water. It's, it's it smells like salty, but it also smells. A little bit like an orange cleanser, and I don't mean that like a chemically way, but it has right. a little bit of, like I had to stop and go. Is, do, do I have a something on my hands? No, it's. Mm-hmm. It smells interesting. It's definitely there. That orange, orange. Uh, I, I don't know what else to call it, but orange cleanser. But it's not on it's, on the taste. It smells it's not stronger than it tastes. Yes, exactly. You get more of it on the nose when you're taking a sip. Than you do actually on the palate when you. Uh, when I got to be honest. I think it actually falls a little flat on the palate. Mm -hmm. I agree. For all that it's got going on there, I wanted just a little more zip. Uh, rem remember, How are you feeling about this? 
it's different. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's 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 quite refreshing. But it yeah, is refreshing. Yeah, it's like tangerine. It's like it's like a smaller orange almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a. There's, I got to be honest. There's a certain kind of soapiness to this that I'm not really Agreed. enjoying. Agreed. Um, and it falls real flat on the tongue. Like I poured it, and there was a, a bit of carbonation. There's almost none on the palate when you taste it, and then it has this, like I said, a little bit of a soapy kind of aftertaste that. We really. had a goza about a month ago with I did not expect to like. It was a hibiscus uh goza. You remember I, that? And it was delicious. I generally like gozas. Yeah, yeah, I do too. But this is this is falling flat. Mm-hmm. So and I mean that both literally and figuratively. Well Although the artwork on it's pretty fun. <laughs> and I like the whole pirate thing. It's got the, the I can I can get down with the whole pirate girl thing. sitting on a pirate so. booty chest, <laughs> uh, with a pirate ship in the background and a little skull and Bottles with the three X's on it, of yeah, course. I like the pirate. But you have to assume that works it's rum, me. right? Like we put right. three X's on a bottle and a pirate. You assume that it's rum. Yeah, sort. you assume that it's rum. Um, so when you uh, when you decided to build your distillery, yeah, uh, the Limavati uh, distillery, did you? Is it in Dublin? Is that where you're located? No, sorry, the Limavati distillery is not built yet. It's it's oh. in, it's in the plans. It's okay. in the plans. Gotcha. So, so when I left Bushmills, I um. I was asked to design and build a distillery in Dublin, so I, mm. I've already sort of done that, wore the T-shirt, ticked it off the bucket list, <laughs> um, and we'd launched like three excellent whiskey brands with Dublin Liberties Distillery, uh, but Blimavari was tugging at the heartstrings because of the family link, and right. I'd, I'd hit about, what, 45, 46 at that time. Now, we it, talked about this. Did we talk about that on the show with the family link, or we, was that before the show? Did we... No, uh, it, was, it was in the... That was in the first segment. Yeah, oh, the yeah. First segment. yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, yeah that's awesome. That, that well, it really is. And so when you you built this distillery, mm-hmm. you, you said about three different brands of uh, whiskey were, were distilled from there. Yeah. And then uh, you haven't built the actual Limavati yet. No. So where are you distilling what you have currently? Yeah, so I, I being one of three master distillers, sort of know where all the, the good liquid hangs out, you know, sort of thing. <laughs> it's like skeletons in the cupboard, you yes. know. Yes. So I, I was able to source quite a bit of liquid to keep us going. But bear in mind that although there's maybe 30 or 35 distilleries in Ireland now, a lot of the liquid's coming from the three main distilleries from the past mm-hmm. and it'll remain that way for maybe five to seven years before they have their actually their own liquid coming through so this is sort of a how would you say it's 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 a stepping stone into going from three distilleries to maybe 35 36 37 it's, it's a long-term mm-hmm. project so uh limavati it's like i went for planning permission about six years ago so it's it's something that doesn't happen overnight in ireland getting right, right. the bureaucracy and red tape all sorted out and planners trying to be distillers you know it's a bit it's yeah. a bit, a bit of a nightmare but yeah. we're getting very close we have i have a lot of the groundwork done so hopefully we'll we'll dig a sod very soon in the meantime i was able to uh source the liquid but because it's all matured and first full bourbon casts I then were able. I was able to use my contacts for the Pedro Jimenez finish that you'll get when we taste it. Mm-hmm. So it's really you're not doing the distilling piece, but you're really doing everything else sort of after that. And then the distillery comes right. afterwards, like putting the cart before the horse a little right. bit. I, I understand. But, so you're uh, actually taking the uh, the the juice. You're uh, finishing it in the right kind of correct casks and the right kind of aging. Correct. And you use uh, bourbon cask and then sherry cask. Is yeah, that right? Then PX, which is Pedro Jimenez, which is a really sweet uh, sherry. And so that's you, where you get all those uh, sort of. Uh, uh, 
mapley wood wood notes is from is from that absolutely when when you taste after you'll get lovely spiciness you're talking about peppery mm-hmm. peppery peppery mm-hmm. peppery yeah. spicy mm-hmm. chili and then the px brings out that sort of longer dark summer fruits mm-hmm. sweetness sort of at the tail end and enhances right. the maltiness so Hopefully we'll pick that out when I'm we get to taste. I'm, yeah, I was going to say we need to move this show along and get to the whiskey portion. Uh, no, that 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 is really that is really just so cool, and I think that it's uh, um, it, it's actually smart you're doing it the way that you're doing because obviously whiskey has to age for a little while yeah, yeah. before you can put it out there, mm-hmm. and so you've not put the cart before the horse. You've uh, you've started the process. Now you're going to hopefully right. get to build your own. And uh, you know, if you're getting uh, a hold of facility, a, if you're getting a hold of a good lick. lick with the church sourcing and you have a good source for that and then finishing it yourself that's i mean that's that's worth its weight in gold while because then you can push some revenue while you're building correct and that that's a huge thing yeah right. and you have to think as well as you need to be able to build them of added to a certain number of case sales a year to justify yeah. building a you know a big distillery as well big distillery, yeah. you know so it's, it's being it's being prudent as well and you were saying being entrepreneurial but entrepreneurial is just making sure you don't waste all your cash day oh, one right. you're able to Absolutely. use your cash for no, marketing and all it's that good easy stuff. to spend the money <laughs> it's getting the return that's the challenge right, correct right. yeah right. no 100 percent. now i want to ask you a question i'm going to say i'm going to tell you in advance you don't have to answer this. Sure. You can pass on this question if you want to. No harm, no foul. Okay? Yep. Conor McGregor's whiskey. Yep. Why is it so awful? Oh, that's that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, without dropping any colleagues or anything in it. So, yeah, prop, proper 12. I think I think it was designed to be, you know, a blended whiskey of, of high grain contact or content and very mm-hmm. low malt content. Uh, you know, with Limavati, it's 100% malt, you know, because to me, that's the super premium. Speaking our language here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 100% malt with a, you know, a first fill uh, bourbon cask only use. The, I sell the one the second use. I don't use it the second or third time. So you get 100% of that spicy vanilla and then flicked into Pedro Jimenez with, with proper 12. You know, it sold a lot of cases, you know, due, yeah. to, due to, you know, Connor's reputation, Connor's, you know, Typical Irish man, you know, <laughs> bit of bit of bazang about him, you know. So, uh, yeah, but the whiskey I think was is just a high proportion of grain to malt. So it's and so that's that's what you're attributing the particular taste that it has to yeah. is the grain to malt. Yeah, interesting. See, it's that, younger. It's that's lighter. A distiller's answer to uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful answer. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> and he did it, did it without trash. I, I had a friend and... that that uh, that had a bottle of it. And yeah, I got to try it. And the more I tasted it, the more things I could find wrong with it. Like, it just kept going. It was one of those things where, like, you know, and I probably poured myself this much. And and I just, every sip I took, I was like, well, uh, and then there's that. And there's that and it, young, young was a yeah, big thing. Very young. Like, very young. And, and bear in mind, there's not a lot of whiskeys you've ever had that you didn't like on some level, right? Yeah, I mean it has to be pretty bad. Like uh, uh, I, I had uh, someone had a bottle of T W Samuels at one point in time, and and I uh, I watched a review of that, and the lady reviewing it said it tasted like a sidewalk, and I think she's pretty <laughs> close to real on that. I don't have how like, does that get bottled? I don't understand it. Uh, but anyway. well, that that particular whiskey is about nine dollars for a bottle. So wow. <laughs> 
there's been a few I've tried that are bad. There's but. the bottom shelf, and then there's the stuff that's just in a box in the back of the warehouse, right? Uh, so, all right, we're gonna take a break. I, I'm I'm getting more and more excited about doing this actual tasting. So let's let's get a, a, a step or two closer to that. We will be right back. It is smoking and toasting, and we're not far now from tasting Limavati whiskey. Awesome. Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. Our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Very nice. Very nice. Those are such good By things. the way, if you missed last week's show, uh, I demonstrated how to make the perfect vodka gimlet. I can't make that many different cocktails, but boy, I can make a vodka gimlet. So we did that on uh, last week's show, and even Ian had to admit they were pretty darn good. That's pretty good. I yeah. definitely drank all of mine. Yeah. All right. Well, good, good. So go back and grab that. That was on show number 297. We're on 298 today. Limavati Irish Whiskey is in the studio. And, of course, Daryl McNally, who is the CEO and master distiller of Limavati, is here. And we're going to taste that in just a moment. But First, we're going to taste our uh, second beer today from Old Ox Brewery in Ashburn, Virginia. This is their Oktoberfest. They call I it love Oxtober beer. Oxtober beer. I love the the can. It's super classic, yeah. like October orange mm-hmm. with some yellow and orange leaves on it, and just a and just a rake. Everyone knows that rake if you've ever been up north <laughs> yeah. in the fall. Yeah, this smells like um, like Bavarian pretzel shop. Not oh, really, but that's what it makes me think of. No, but you know when you walk into a brewery, yeah, and you have that that uh, that initial that malt initial smell like that hits you when you open the mm-hmm. door. This this has that like right in the beer. Yeah. I like that. I like that smell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really do. Yeah, mm. if I could just make that a cologne, I mm. feel like then I'd immediately get pulled over, and the police officer would be like, "I smell beer." So I'm telling you, I think this is um, this is crisper. And less malty on the palate than I was expecting, based on what I got on the nose. What do you think? Uh, both agreed. There's a, there's a, almost a perfumey like quality to the to the maltiness on this, mm-hmm. not in a bad way, right? Um, also, the bubbles are a little tighter than I expected too. Like when I poured it, I didn't see a whole lot of. There's not much head. Like I poured it hard, and there's not much head on it at all. But the bubbles are real tight in there, mm-hmm. and they're enough to to dance on the tongue and make it make you feel almost a little spicy. If um, if you think of Oktoberfest as less of a uh, refreshing style of beer, this one could this one could point you in the other direction. This one's got a little crisp to it. There's mm-hmm. also a little bit of a um, burnt caramel kind of on the uh, on the tail end on the uh, end of the palate. I feel. How's this work for your palate? No, I like that. That's that's very much a European beer. When mm-hmm. you go into the Czech Republic or into Germany, it's mm-hmm. just got that strong maltiness, long lasting flavor to it. Uh, you, you can be sure that if you drink enough of those, that uh, somebody will be tapping you in the shoulder. <laughs> this one, this one's coming in at six percent. Yeah, so it's I thought a little that. Bit, yeah, much yeah. Obviously, we know in Ireland that Guinness is uh, quite popular. But yeah. What What are the other styles of uh, of beer that are popular in Ireland right now? Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of craft beer scene like IPAs, but mm-hmm. but a lot of the Irish tend to take or stick very closely to their brands like the Heinekens and the Guinness and mm-hmm. you know the Tenants and things like that. It's very much. Um, sticking to brands that you know, but then you have the younger scene coming through, look, loving the craft scene, you know, the right, craft yeah. beer. That's kind of the way it is here in, in the States as yeah. well. We just, uh, uh, the United States is where the craft thing really kind of blew up first. And and I think it, it has become 
more and more of a thing in Europe as it's gone. But yeah. uh, but it's yeah, it's it's very interesting. It's, it's interesting to see uh, the uh, the European countries in general like actually starting to copy American styles or American versions of right the old styles right. and things like that it's kind of kind of fun and although even, they really shouldn't have messed with barley wine like american style barley wines not so much man <laughs> but even even guinness has opened up a, a brewery here in the states and, and they make beautiful beer like yeah. some of their beers are so good mm-hmm. uh so this seasonal uh, october beer is a marzen style lager very clean smooth and malt forward with rounded malt sweetness accompanied by a nice biscuit and toast accents Pleasant hot bitterness. I'm going to put pretzel in there too. There's a little bit of that pretzel mm-hmm. dough kind of mm-hmm. thing going on. Um, yeah, there's not a lot of other information. You on know there. what it tastes like when you actually bite? Oh, this is funny. When you bite the little chunk of salt off of the pretzel, mm. that's, yeah, yeah. that's what it reminds me of. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It just, uh, I don't know what you call that, but like if you get like a doughy pretzel yeah. and you so just bite the little salt piece off of it. This is unusual yeah? in today's age. This is something we would sure. have seen 20 to 30 years ago but mm-hmm. you know what is on this right here find us it has uh, of course the twitter and the uh, facebook and all that stuff right it has their telephone number on it oh wow. on the can well the, you, you don't normally see that you're absolutely right <laughs> you're absolutely right like who does that have you ever tried to find a telephone number for a company oh yeah <laughs> like, i don't see a phone number call, on the limb of I audio i had to call sennheiser last week to yeah to, good luck with that to trade in my uh to to get a warranty on my wireless and man it took me almost an hour and a half to find a phone number and once and, i found it i got a hold of a really nice guy yeah but it took me that long just to find the phone number well nobody wants to answer the phone these days oh no no no, you no. Know, uh, they they all have these systems that uh, that i think they're designed to infuriate you so much at how difficult it oh. is to actually get through to a person you, you know what my that, favorite you, one is? that you give up you know what my favorite one is yeah my internet's not working so you call your internet company and what does the what does the hold thing say you can reach out to us online. Oh yeah, of course. To solve your problems, <laughs> of course. If my freaking Why internet was working, I would do an that. Internet company. <laughs> if my internet was working, that's a good point. That's a good point. All right, well, gonna, I'm old now. We're gonna take a break. When we come back, it is whiskey time, and I am excited. Limavati uh, Irish whiskey is uh, up next, and uh, we're gonna let uh, Daryl do the honors of pouring. So, uh, smoking and toasting, episode number two hundred ninety-eight. We will be right back. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. Our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We've got Limavati Irish Whiskey in the studio today. When we say in the studio, we mean not only the bottle of Limavati, uh, but Daryl McNally is here as well. He's the CEO and master distiller and has won a number of different awards for his uh, his uh, prowess as a distiller. So we're really excited about uh, being able to taste this. This has just become available recently. Correct. Here where we are. Is it, uh, what about the rest of the United States? Is it, is it uh, like a Texas uh, exclusive thing right now? Or are you no, breaking out state by state or are you everywhere? Yeah, last year we did uh, five states up to Christmas, sort of late sort of September through to Christmas. We did mm-hmm. five states. Then this year uh, up to the end of August, start of September there, we're now in 30 states in total. 
Wow. wow. So, that's... so don't get me to name them. <laughs> I can name most of them. What was the first one? What was the first one? The first one was California. So okay. we did California, Florida. Uh, we did Colorado, Washington, up on the Ooh, West that's Coast. That's a lot of flying back yeah. and forth. Oh, right yeah. there. You're not oh, kidding. Yeah. You're not yeah, kidding. Yeah. So w- you've been on the road a bit. Absolutely. So it's been a month at home and a month here, a month at home, a month mm-hmm. here. So mm-hmm. you, can you detect my Texas accent? Yet? Yes, I, I'm, I was <laughs> pulling there. that out of there. Yeah, <laughs> I was pulling that out of there. Yeah. That's good. Well, uh, let's uh, let's have you do the honors. Let's take, let's take some yeah. Limavati. This is the moment we've been waiting for. So, I need <laughs> so a, very I need excited a snare about drum. this. Yeah, uh, a snare drum would, you know, pretty soon you're going to have basically a whole like band. You're going to be like a one man band Ooh, over there. It smells buttery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like buttery. I'm going to pass that to you. Do you want some? There you go. Sweet. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So is Oh, yes. That I touched on the, the Limavari is actually Irish for Leap of the Dog. So it's the story of an Irish wolfhound. And I, I'm looking at your yeah. uh, your logo there, which is on that. your shirt. That's uh-huh. the Leap of the Dog. Right. Right? That's the Leap of the Dog. So it's the story of an Irish wolfhound. Uh, it jumped the local river to warn its master, which was King O'Cahan at the time, about an enemy ambush coming in to pretty much... Kill everybody in the See, the village. And... This is what I love about Ireland. Everything has like a backstory like oh, yeah. this. Like it's you know the the driving of the snakes out, or or, right. or it's the dog that uh, that leaps the river to uh, to warn of the upcoming attack. I there's, love. There's that. always a little brutality in it. Too. Yeah, well, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the Celt, that's the Celt coming out on us too. Yeah, you know? like, it's a little serious. <laughs> I, love, I love it. Uh-huh. So uh, so you have Irish whiskey's basically been uh, you know your professional life. You've been yes. doing this for a long time. So how difficult was it for you to come up with a product that you said, this is good enough that I will put my name on it or the Limavati name, which was something that goes back in your That's pretty your heavy because that's like your family used right. to own this. Yeah, right. yeah. It was a little bit of pressure, but I think having made whiskey for you know the last 20, 24 years, you almost write down on paper what you think is going to work. right. Uh, so you sort of know in your head because it's years of sort of trial and error and tasting and, and things like that. that Have that you over it... the years, as as you've been making whiskey, sometimes made something and gone, now that's something that I would want with, to put under that name? Yeah, absolutely. With Bushmills, because of the 400-year history of Bushmills, I was but a keeper as a master distiller, so you weren't allowed to go too far right, off right. the beaten mm-hmm. track. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Limavari, because I was bringing it back, because it was for the name of my family, because it was sort of that, how would you say hairs in the back of your neck almost mm-hmm. feeling yeah, yeah. um i really i really had this plan this particular style of whiskey planned in my head for years was, as being a winner was there a a, a harken back to a, a style or a flavor profile that maybe was uh maybe was recorded in yeah. the history of uh Limavati that there, there was there was recordings that it was a malt distillery, so therefore again it was staying very much true to the hundred percent right. malted barley. Because a lot of other Irish whiskies that are out there, they after the tax that was put in malted barley in seventeen eighty five, they actually substituted malt with mm. other unmalted barley wow. or unmalted cereal. So therefore it made the whiskey style a little bit lighter. So I wanted to stay true a little bit to the family recipe, but then just to flick it in its head by putting it into Pedro Jimenez for a little while. And, <laughs> and did you ever have a, an opportunity to taste the original recipe for comparison's sake? I didn't, unfortunately, because the distillery closed in 1912. And, right, and, and probably because the whiskey was that good, there was none kept. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, if it was good, there's probably none left. No, yeah, no. yeah. well, uh, but, but you at least are paying homage to... The style. Yeah, that, the style of that area at mm-hmm. the time, yeah. The style of the, that well, area. I will tell you, I love 
the malt forwardness of this. That's, yeah. that's the first thing really that you get on the palate is the malt. And then all of the other stuff, which is, I think, a result of, you know, the casks that yes. you and mm -hmm. the barrels that you've had this in, you get that, or I'm getting it at least on the finish. Yeah. Whereas up front, it's just malty, malty, malty. So malt. it's, it's malty and sweet up front. Um, and a little buttery and a little bit. Um, There's a little butteriness, yes. Because it's very oily overall, too. Like yes. it just spreads across the palate, like the moment it touches your lips. And then the aftertaste, though, I think is the real glow on this. Like mm -hmm. it's so complex. There's so many things happening. Yeah. And and it's a very spicy aftertaste. Yes, and, it is. And spicy in the way that there's a lot of things going on. Along with the vanilla and the sort yeah. of maple and the stuff that you can really discern has come from the barrels and from the casks, you get that that little hint of pepper. In a, yeah, yeah, that's why you said, that's pepper, you said yeah. pepper, pepper, there's pepper. A, there's an interesting thing after a couple sips of it, too, that right in the middle of the palate, you start picking up that wood, the oaky. Yes, yes. Like starts to build on the palate. Maybe maybe uh, your palate acclimates to it and you start tasting it more. But it's really nice because it, it, it's sweet and then dry and then peppery and complex. It's very interesting. And then it's almost Moorish because when your mouth dries out, you want some more. Yeah. You know, we call that we call that the Doritos effect. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> because there's uh there's I I don't know if it's real or conspiracy theory, but there's there's the old story that there's something in the formula for Doritos that makes you want another one. There's mm -hmm. something actually chemically. Well, you in have to there. have the right amount of salt, the right, right amount of. Yeah. Right, right. I think it dries out your palate or something. It just sort yeah. of yeah. Eats, eats up your saliva. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. And I've, I've asked other distillers and, and master brewers this as well, and even uh, guys that are responsible for cigar blends. You do this, you do this distillate. And you taste it, and you go, "That's it. That's what I want yeah. Lima Vita to taste like." How do you, given that over the years casks and barrels are going to be different, mm -hmm. uh, given that I realize you can keep the recipe the same, yeah, but aren't there going to be yearly differences in malt and in wheat and in other things that that are going to be a part of? It? How do you blend and distill for? this flavor consistently every time sure well i always say the distillate itself will only add about 25 percent to the end flavor okay so for me over the 24 years my secret has been making sure you're buying your wood your casks mm -hmm. from reputable suppliers don't buy them in the open market don't buy them for people that you don't know how it's going to work because the quality of your whiskey in three, four, five years just won't be there. And you mentioned you only use these casks one time. I only use the bourbon cast one time. So, and, and what is the reason for that? What would happen if you used it a second time? So all the lovely spice and pepperness, pepperiness mm -hmm. you're getting there, the vanilla you're getting, so that mm -hmm. all comes from your bourbon cast that we ship across the pond to, to, to Ireland. Mm -hmm. um, the first fill will give a lot more of a hit, if you like, or complexity. Mm -hmm. If you use it a second time, it's maybe two-thirds of that. If you use it a third time, it's maybe a third of that. So what I want Limavati to be is always be in first full bourbon cast for the, the majority of its maturation life. Right. So you're getting a, almost like an intense concentrated hit 
of that spice vanilla from the bourbon right. barrels, and then I mean, you take it out. It is bold on the back end. Oh, it it's totally just, is. It, yeah. it, it's so friendly right up front, and then it's very bold. I want it to be like that way because I think the Irish whiskey category at the moment is lacking that sort of boldness. Because yeah. if you look at the the U.S. consumer, they love the <clears throat> bourbons, the rice. Right. You know, this is an Irish whiskey that bourbon and rye drinkers what's will the, go to. What's mm -hmm. the uh, uh, alcohol percentage on this? 90, Ninety-two proof. Okay, so it's a little bit overproof. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, cause I, a lot of times I, it's not that I seek out necessarily overproof, but I find that I like a lot of overproof cause I like the bolder, bigger flavor. And and it definitely is bolder. I mean, if you yeah. take a look at some of the, some of the overproof, uh, whiskeys that we've had on the show, that's the one this, thing they all have in common the spice, is the boldness. The spice profile in this makes me think very much of like four roses. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. Whiskey. Yeah. Cause uh -huh. uh, four roses can, can have that kind of peppery spice thing going on and. But There's still, almost a little baking spice kind of in there as well. That's that's very complex. And but yeah, the, yeah. the pepper though doesn't take over. That's what I like about it. I'm still getting the vanilla notes. That's my favorite thing about uh, about whiskey is the the vanilla and the maple and the um, the the wood. But the pepper makes it zip along while you're doing that. If, if I don't know, that's that's probably you know, not an accurate thing to say. What's interesting too in the uh, in the um, oak barrels, is there's no real smoke in this. I don't no. really get. Mm. And I, there's, there's no all. smokiness. There's no yeah. smokiness at all in this. This is zero, zero. Because sometimes, sometimes I'll get that in in in, in whiskey. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's not that they smoked it, but uh, but the barrels will tend to have that char slash smoke kind yeah. of thing. But I think right. you lose a lot of that in the in the um, first fill. Yeah, but do you not think after the second or third sip there, you're getting a lot more of the Pedro Jimenez coming through. You're getting less of the spice. So the it tongue. it tends to calm down a little bit. Actually, yeah. what's happening yeah. is mm -hmm. the spice seems to move forward uh -huh. in the palate the just a little bit, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and and a little more towards the middle. I, I love the. I still like the front of it. That's just this buttery and sweet. And it's like Werther's original sweets. Yeah, <laughs> that butterscotch. So, Daryl, what does a bottle of this uh, retail for? Yeah, it retails like about forty nine ninety nine. We wanted wow. to keep. Kidding. We wanted wow. to keep. We wanted Worth to keep it. it below the fifty bucks because you know, again, we wanted to play in an area where you know the main the main consumers can actually try this. Um, the bottle itself, you know, is quite unique with the blob. Mm -hmm. Again, go I was going to mention that, and you have an interesting kind of cork uh, design going. Yeah, Venalog fitment. Yep. Hmm. Fascinating. Yeah, so you call that the blob? Is what you call the blob. Yep. The blob. The blob. The blob. The blob. We found we found an old bottle dating back to the 1800s, so I wanted to keep it as close as possible. Oh, I love it. Very and cool. then you see the little bits of bubble frit. I've got mm -hmm. a funny story. A friend of mine's from Florida says, Daryl, I think your bottle's substandard. I said, you stick to your computer program, and we paid <laughs> extra for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like on uh, it's like when uh, that helps make it float if it falls right. into the ocean. Exactly. It, it, it's kind of like when people who are uh, you know recording a song on an all digital uh, workstation add in the sample of a scratchy record from the old days to make it sound warmer <laughs> and more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It happens all the time. 
Um, so um, I, I just want to point out too on the bottle, you can see the limavada, the dog. Yeah, uh, the leap jumping. of the dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the leap of the dog, and, and then, the four leaf clover. And then 1750 was that when the original limavada Se- was. 1750 was when the distillery actually opened for the first time, which yeah. makes it one of the oldest. That's a long heritage. Yes. It's you're a her- not kidding. Yeah, you're not and kidding. that makes it one of the oldest in Ireland. Uh, you know, which again keeps the history and heritage and authenticity of the brand coming through. Yeah. Uh, the fact my family owned it in 1880, and the fact that I'm bringing it back to life, it's just you know, just makes it special for me. It's not a, a new kid in the block. Right. You right. Know, that's the way I look at it. Yeah. Uh, this is my leap. Yeah. This is my nice. leap. So the return. Yeah. The return of an old friend. I like. Just it. like the leap of the dog, I took my leap of faith and left the big players Love to do it. my own thing. Love it. And we're glad you did. It's it's very very good, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna recommend it highly. I think it's. Uh, I think your price point's exactly right. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. I think that's exactly where it should be, and, uh, the, and the four leaf clover. The four leaf clover is quite fun as well because I didn't want it to be too leprechauny. I didn't want it to be mm-hmm. too Irish. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted it to stand up for itself. So you want it to be stereotypical. Exactly. Irish, right? Exactly. Yeah. So the yeah, four absolutely. leaf the four leaf clover, there's only one four leaf clover for every ten thousand shamrocks, and it's a sign of really good luck. So the mm-hmm. four leaf stands for love, luck, honesty, and faith. I don't think I, I knew that. I love uh I love that this bottle has a, such an old school feel to it. Mm-hmm. But then you have these real clean, yeah, real clean lines, modern looking, and everything. Yeah, yeah. It's a really, really fantastic blend. Really is. Yeah, I think really is. nicely done. That's the way the labels were for the old revenue, the old customs, the old authorities, if you like. So I wanted to keep that same clean, nice. sort That's of look cool. to it. And it has yeah. that like I just tore it off kind of thing. Going <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we'll be sipping more of the uh, Limavati, and we're gonna get into a little thing we like to call drinking news. That will be coming up next. Welcome back into Smoking and Toasting. This program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. And speaking of fine spirits, we are enjoying a fine oh, spirit boy. right now. Yeah. So you're liking this, right? I am. Yeah. I'm loving this. Yeah. The it's, more the more uh, the more I sip it, the more uh, mapley it gets mm-hmm. too. Like, because that maple comes up. Well, I just think I know and you mentioned the uh, the um, the Werthers. The Werther's, yes. yeah, Werther's oh, original. Definitely butterscotch. In there. Yeah, it's that definitely butterscotch in there. flavor. Yeah. Well, I know, I just know how you are about malty things. Malt is your, uh, malt is your new black. And uh, and that's, <laughs> there's definitely, it's malt definitely malt Malt goes with forward. everything, come yeah, on. Malt is good, malt is good. <laughs> malt goes with everything, including, ladies and gentlemen, the most popular segment on this program, which isn't saying much, but it is what it is. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Drinking News. There it is. Tired of the 
You know, and we don't do that one often, but so when we do, it's always a treat actually getting to hear, <laughs> hear that. Well, welcome to Drinking News. This is our segment on the program where we uh, continue to remind you that while these stories are true, they are sometimes, although not always, about drinking. But they are always best enjoyed if you've been drinking now, hold or on if you are drinking. So you're gonna, you're gonna my, pour my whiskey to make glass sure still seems to have evaporative oh, yeah, properties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got a hole in it somewhere. As they say in Ireland, I think that's broken. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you before, want me to get drangry, right? Yeah. <laughs> before we begin, this is a drinking news public service announcement. We strongly recommend that if you are in need of a doctor, and you find yourself in the Sunshine State, and it has anything to do with anything even remotely close to your rear end, that you avoid a particular surgeon named Dr. Scott Zanoni. Scott Zanoni. Because a Florida man. Oh, see, this is what I'm missing my ukulele. Yeah, right. I would put like little musical stuff. Yes, in yes, yes. All right, go ahead. You'll have to just hum. <laughs> uh, a Florida man went to Dr. Zanoni complaining of a sacral wound, a skin wound near the lower back that wasn't healing. And was, according to the complaint that was filed, exacerbated by contamination with feces. So in other words, not to be overly graphic here, but when the man would use the bathroom, it was difficult to keep the area of the wound clean because of where it was located. Oh, that's a low, low back. Yes. The, yeah. Well, like, I think lower back. I think like lumbar. Yeah. yeah we're, no, this we're is apparently, apparently beyond the lumbar. I think so you get. Be. I think you get the point, right? Okay. <laughs> okay. So Dr. Zanoni set about to perform a. And I'm using air quotes here because it's quotes in the story. Diverting colostomy procedure that would divert the flow, so to speak, and allow this sacral wound to heal. Now, I will pause to mention that there's not one of us here today or listening to the show that has never goofed something up at work. I mean, I've filed things in the wrong folder. I've accidentally deleted things that should have been saved and uh, even inadvertently loaded up a work computer with malware from opening up on a uh, uh, on an email that promised some very interesting photos of Dua Lipa. <laughs> there, there weren't any, That's by the way. That's oddly specific. There weren't any, by the way. Uh, but I'd venture to say that none of us have ever made a work mistake like this. Dr. Zanoni, who is, by the way, a licensed surgeon in the state of Florida, for what that's worth, performed the procedure 
on the wrong end of the Florida man's colon, halting the patient's wait, wait, ability. Hold on a second. Hold on. How do you mix up ends of your colon? Apparently, that's what he did. He halted, right, halted the patient's ability to pass gas or excrete waste through his rear, according to a Florida Department of Health administrative complaint. Oh, my goodness. The complaint states that during the procedure, Zanoni inadvertently diverted the wrong end of the patient's colon. The doctor apparently diverted the distal end of the colon, the downstream end, when he should have diverted the proximal end, the upstream end of the colon. The mistake, the complaint said, meant that the patient failed to pass gas, failed to have bowel movements, and became distended. CT imaging revealed the problem 12 days after the original operation. Oh. Zanoni subsequently performed an operation correcting the error and addressing the resulting problems. Now, I bet he charged them twice. Now, you might respond to this story by calling it a load of crap, and you wouldn't be wrong. Although, I think that if I had been the patient in question, I would have found another doctor, anybody, even that whack job Dr. Oz, before I went back to <laughs> the guy that closed off the wrong end of my colon. I mean, I'd be more likely to go to somebody who wasn't a doctor, who was just pretty good at playing that operation game we used to play as kids with, you know, with the, uh, uh, than this guy. I'm just saying. The point is that you really should give a crap about the doctor you choose. Oh, man. If you don't, you could end up like Florida man, completely and totally unable to give a crap. Why do so many of these stories start with Florida man? Reporting live from Florida, where I've just bought one of those shirts that say, I pooped today, and I'm going to wear it with pride. My name is Cruz, and that is your drinking news. I forgot you don't have the... Oh, well, yeah, okay, there you go. Uh, and that's good. You don't have to buy the whole song, but thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Sorry that was such a crappy drinking news, but uh, it, it was what it was. That was, that was really crappy, I have to say. Last week, we had a... Uh, 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 sacks full of donkey penises, and this week we had, uh, uh, yeah, it is what it is. Drinking, <laughs> drinking news is going down the toilet. I think is is a good way to 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 put it. So you know, uh, I mean, last week you're you're lowering the bar because last yeah. week I was like, where do you go after sacks of donkey penises? Yeah, well, this is apparently they where we it. went. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was a rough story. You'll have to go back and hear the oh. uh, here. There, so. there was there was a lot of story. It was a little bloated. <laughs> <clears throat> I don't even know where to go with that. But um, I will admit, though, that I'm having a little problem with my uh, cup here. It, it does have uh, rapid evaporation. Yeah, evaporative oh, properties. Yeah. So also realize that I didn't uh, uh, pull out the beer for this segment. So let me just duck down into my bag. Excuse me while I whip this out. Dun, 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 the duck rabbit. <laughs> What I love about what, the, what I love about what the is duck this rabbit, on that, the label that man. is a duck rabbit. Show it to the camera. Show it to the camera. That is a duck rabbit. You can see I, both the sorry, uh, Josh. I can't even describe this. You just have to look it up. Duck rabbit. <laughs> the duck rabbit is the name of the brewery, uh, and it's the name of their duck rabbit milk stout. And uh, duck rabbit is apparently the dark beer specialist. Apparently. Um, do you happen to have a, uh, an opener? Uh, I might. See, my opener lives in the case with my ukulele, oh, which I so always I bring. Have known. I might have except to for run out today. I can use the edge of this wait. table. Don't think I won't. You know, uh, and we'll give that to you to take home with you. That is your oh, own thank you. official smoking and toasting. But first, we will use it for the. We have to use it for 
the duck it's, rabbit it's milk stout. Look how weird that is. Duck <laughs> rabbit is very bizarre. <laughs> There's something about it. As soon as I saw that, I was like, Was oh, it Bloom but, County that you, had the basilisk? Do you know what that yes. Yeah, that was the basilisk. Do you know yes. what that, that there means? It says, Do you see a duck or do you see a rabbit? Oh, it's like a, a Rorschach test type right. thing, right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. Which do you see in a duck? It determines or a your personality, yes. allegedly. Mm-hmm. My personality sees yes. One hundred percent. That's uh yeah, it's such a I bizarre see, I see a drawing. Beer. It's it's almost like creepy. Mm-hmm. Duck rabbit. It's very yeah. dark. Yeah, it is very much like the ba- the basilope or the uh what is the uh, uh the jackalope, the jackalope, the Texas jackalope. So, yeah. That one probably needs Thank a little you. bit more. Yes, particularly that because that's mine. Uh, <laughs> so I'm noticing as, as you are pouring, there is a good, uh, good solid carbonated. head on this. So this uh, looks a little like a Guinness, um, just in terms of color and the uh, the color of the foam. Yeah, you got a lot of foam there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's no way to pour this without a ton of foam. Like it just came out. That way, I mean, um, that did look like a Chris Hart hard pour, didn't it? The Duck Rabbit Craft Brewery in Farmville, North Carolina. What else does it say on the bottle? So, probably handmade in uh, small batches. I can see both the duck and so the rabbit, but I will say I saw the duck first. I don't know, general, I don't know what that means. Do you know which one's which? I, I haven't looked at the personality trait, but yeah, you look up at look it up after. Right, <laughs> yeah, what do yeah. you see first? I see the, I, lo- I the see- Loch Ness duck. I see a little more beer left in this bottle. Okay. Well, uh, now it's time to do some of right? Yeah, that's right. This, uh, this foam is not going away either. No, it's, and, like, and it's, it's very it's, solid. It's definitely just still sitting there. Oh. Um, but I'm getting a little bit of a... It's a there's a smoky. Yeah. And a, and a tangy at the same time, weirdly enough. Okay, this is really good. There's a chocolatey. You get a big smoky. chocolate and coffee. Yeah, you get the smoky. Right? Yeah. yeah, kind of like a, a a smoky chocolate and coffee. Definitely the chocolate. It's like a cigar room when you go into it first. <laughs> I mean, which, I did, which is something I, I love from a cigar room, yeah. like right before I got here. So maybe part of that might be me. <laughs> might be you. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's in the beer. That's a smoky beer. Wow. Very smoky beer. Milk stout. I didn't expect that to be smoky. Yeah, so so that means they're using if it's a milk stout, they're using lactose, right? Yeah. So I don't get a lot of the lactose. Like usually well, the they milk have it highly are, carbonated them too. Right. So I think that I think the lactose, which makes it generally a little bit um more uh, creamy or a little mm-hmm. more velvety. I think is being offset by it's highly carbonated. Like it, it is really is very dancing. Much on the more so f- than than most stouts I think I've ever had. As far as as a stout, although, stout, although Guinness coffee stout, Guinness can yeah, be very it's, carbonated. It's very coffee forward, uh, coffee yeah. and chocolate. Um, it also has a thinner mouthfeel than I was expecting from looking at it too. Right, but in in that way, it reminds me of Guinness, both the carbonation and the the thinner mouthfeel. But Flavor wise, Guinness is much creamier, smoother. No, it's whereas got too this much is zing. Yeah, you this can, has got a big old punch of coffee. This is definitely and, and CO2 chocolate. zingy bubbles on the tongue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the zing butt of beers. Um, I like it, but I don't know if I would I want would, a six pack of it. I would probably like this a lot more poured into a, um, a pint glass and let it sit for a few. Let it like mm-hmm. open up a little bit. Some of that carbonation. I think. Up. I think that that would. It would and warm up a little bit too. It's also, I think, a little too cold. I think if this was served, uh, you know, in the um, fifty to fifty-eight degree temperature range, it'd probably be a little more 
palatable overall. It's good though. I, I mean, th- I like I it the way it is. I do like it. I do like it. I think I don't think it's going to replace Guinness, but <laughs> but I do. But I do like it. Uh, it's uh, what styles of beer are you a big fan of? Um, I like lagers. I like lagers, lagers. Yeah, just for like summer drinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you could call Ireland having a summer right now, that's oh, you know, I mentioned to you your summer earlier. is uh, is uh, June third through June seventh, right? Yeah, that's a, okay. Yeah. That's two, a, two, two rainy days and a bit of snow in between. <laughs> I mentioned to you earlier, and you looked at me with a little bit of alarm that you yeah. missed the heat. Yeah, here. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, no, we had a hot summer. Yeah, like, it's hot. cooling down now. Just yeah. so you know, oh, this wow. is this is one of the few places in the world where, and I'm not kidding about this. I had several people come up to me last week and go, "Oh, thank God, it's cooled off." It was in the it's 90s. Still in the 90s. Yeah, it was but still cooled in the off. 90s, but wow. it had cooled off. Well, most of our summer was in the like low hundreds. Yeah, wow. yeah, it was, wow. and brutal. It and have you one. noticed that our uh, humidity is somewhere hovering between 78, 87? Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I just it's seen the day ninety eight Fahrenheit when we were when we were talking in the car, and I said, mm-hmm. "Oh my God, spot the Irish man!" You know, <laughs> you're not you're not going to get chap lips here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. Well, um, I I am actually a very big fan of the whiskey. I think it's I think it's Thank absolutely you. delicious, Thank you very much. and uh, okay. I love all the complexity that you get uh, out of it. And it's just, you know, I I'm hearing. You saying that this is really this complexity is really all from the aging process and all the, the barrels aging that you and, use, and right? the barrels that we use, yeah, yeah, right. And bal- the balance comes from that as well. You know, the mix of the spiciness and then the, the lovely sweetness coming from the PX. So let me ask you this then about because this has always like fascinated me. There's got to be huge competition for among the different distilleries in the world, and and there's more coming out all the time, right? Sure. There's got to be huge competition for the right barrels like what do you do if you can't find the barrels you want that's how do you how do you find the barrels yeah that's a huge problem the the bourbon barrels i think of for 2023 will double in price so essentially you have all these new distilleries in ireland Mm -hmm. maybe not so many in scotland now but you have all these distilleries essentially looking for the same quantity of ex bourbon barrels, which you, is going to be a real, real problem. Do you think it's helpful though that there's so many distilleries opening in the United States at the moment? Yeah, it, it helps. Yeah, from the amount of bourbon barrels, but uh, I think there with the glass problems, the there was a glass problem there, there mm-hmm. in the U.S. And therefore, then the 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 bourbon wasn't been disgorged. Therefore, the barrels weren't been available. So therefore, it was demand and supply. Oh wow! Okay. So it just it just had right. a, an on effect right through. So it's you mentioned. A, unintended consequences on that one right yeah 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 so you mentioned you use the barrels once what happens to them after that is there any use for them after oh, that? oh yeah yeah i sell them all to other irish distilleries mm-hmm. who, who will use them a second well, i think time a lot of scotch time. doesn't mm-hmm. mind using like second fill barrels and third fill barrels right up to want, six <laughs> they, yeah they want they want just a kiss of flavor on there mm-hmm. to finish yeah. it or whatever not necessarily big yeah. strong right. bold they're stuff. not necessarily looking for as much as you've got here yeah. But they'll take that little kiss of it, like you said, Ian. So, right. um, yeah. And I, as for the, the, the Spanish barrels, for the sherry barrels, they're really, really difficult to get. Mm-hmm. You know, so you need to have relationships there, which I built up over 20, 24 years. From that's, that's being nice. at Bushmills and, yeah. and, and all of that. So mm-hmm. uh, what is, you know, what is your favorite 
uh, whiskey that you uh, were responsible for at, at Bushmills? Oh, wow, at Bushmills. Well, I always, when somebody would ask you which one of your whiskeys uh, do you prefer, Bushmills, I always say you wouldn't ask the father which one of his children he prefers. Right, right. But I always would have said the 16-year-old uh, was a, quite a needy child. Yeah. <laughs> <Was> that, <laughs> that's that's the way one. I get around yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I like it, I like it, I like it. Well, this has to be, uh, um, do you consider this one your crowning achievement? This, this is exactly, this has been, you know my my life of what I wanted to get to, if that makes sense. You know, you were, mm-hmm. you were working mm-hmm. for all the Diageos and Pernod Ricards of the world, but to actually bring out a whiskey under your own name and under your own steam, if you like, is, is a dream come true. Yeah, and to par- and to partner with Whistlepig then as well is you know, very good. And so. and so tell me about that partnership. What does that involve? Yeah, so Whistlepig um, Whistlepig found out that I was looking to bring out my my own family whiskey, so they said we'd love to partner with you. You'd like to. Uh, for Limavady to become, if you like, uh, or Irish whiskey, if you like, as such. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they have Whistlepig, which is very much a rye. They have Piggyback, which is rye. They've just brought out a bourbon recently. Yeah, they just put out a bourbon. Yeah, yeah. which is it's exciting. Yeah. So this is this so is a six-year their, bourbon, is that right? It's a six-year, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it sits very much with Piggyback rye, right, Piggyback right. bourbon, and then Limavady is their, their Irish child. Nice, so, nice. I this love is it. fantastic. Did you try the uh, whiskey after the beer, by the way? I didn't, it but I'm just about to. It brings an interesting, like, there's a hint of chocolate that pops up mm-hmm. and a minerality mm-hmm. that uh, that I wasn't noticing in the aftertaste uh, as much. It's really, it's really always yeah. interesting. Quite lovely. Yeah, it's always interesting and usually good mm-hmm. <laughs> when we uh, when we go back and we, forth. We've like had that. some rare ones that we've, weren't. That, that, that but didn't that's work, an interesting. Yeah. But, but uh, it's interesting. The the old guys in Ireland would always would have had a stout. Or a Guinness mm-hmm. stout, which was mm-hmm. in a bottle, which was very much like this consistency rather than the Guinness we know, and always would have had a whiskey with it. Yeah. So maybe those old Irish guys that would have sat in the bars maybe They'd knew more than something. we thought. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've I think run they were across, very wise. I've That's run across some great like whiskey uh, or spirit and uh, and beer pairings, and uh, one of the weirdest ones, but it, it's so particularly good, is a good rye whiskey with a good IPA. Yeah. But not like an over the top crazy IPA, but a good like But uh, it has to be a rye. Like yeah, it has to be rye because like if you try it with like a regular bourbon, it's just not gonna work. But the rye whiskey, like the 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 pairing that the that I first figured out was um Bell's Two Hearted Ale that I was drinking, and then uh I saw Basil Hayden Rye on the shelf and it was brand new. I hadn't tried it, so I was like, we'll try it. And I was like <laughs> What is going on here? You know, like sometimes you find those pairings. It's really, really nice. Yeah, well, I, I agree. I actually did a, a a whiskey. Well, it was actually like a coffee stout, if you like, where I actually put whiskey into the ex coffee stout barrel. Oh, nice. so I would have give them my bourbon barrel. They would have put their coffee stout into it for a period mm-hmm, of time. Mm-hmm. It's basically a very high strength. I had brought that back, put and my whiskey return. back into oh, it. Oh yeah, pretty cool. That's that pretty awesome. That's cool. yeah, yeah. fun. Like that's that's so much fun. And so do you, do you have like barrels sitting around now that are your experimentation barrels? Oh yeah. Where you're doing stuff like you just mentioned, right? That, oh yeah. That you don't know if this is something you're going to wind up ultimately or, doing, or you're like, I just got my hands on a barrel that I'm not sure what I'm going to do with yet, but it's there when I want it. Yeah, yeah. I, like, love yeah I love that. that. I, 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 I love that. I get a list every month, and it's like it's like a kid in a candy shop. <laughs> you go, oh my god, this particular cask, and I swear I pull them out and go right. This is this is what I'm going to use. 
just Love for it. maybe four or five casts, just maybe Love on an it. annual basis. But it's it could be could be something for the future, gold yeah, awards yeah. for the future. Nice. Love it, love it. All this right. is so good. I'm so uh, so happy you came on. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the future, and we'll wrap up the show uh, when we come back. You're watching Smoking and Toasting. Our program is number 298, so we're officially right smack dab halfway to 333. Right. Uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back. It is Smoking and Toasting, our program all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. So, Ian, I'm looking uh, forward at the calendar. If we don't do a show on Columbus Day, then the 300th episode, which we're not going to make into a big deal, uh, will be on the 17th of October. The show we're going to make a big deal about is 333, and that's where we're going to invite everyone. Now, I know you might not be able to come, but we'll invite everyone who has ever been a you guest on the show. You'll be invited either way. Yeah, you'll be invited uh, to come back and be a part of our 333rd episode. And we did this at 100, and it was the longest show we've ever done. It was like four and a half it was, hours. It was absolute madness. Yeah. Everyone showed up. Everyone came out. I mean, there was whiskey reps. There was cigar reps. There were random people. Rum and tequila, random people. Yeah, right. It was just completely and over the top. everyone brought something to try. And we had and such a good to time. Smoke. And it was, that was amazing. And, and Uber had a record day that day. It was, it was a big, big deal. Uh, so anyway, we're going to do that again uh, for show number 333. So just know you're invited and we'll uh, we'll try to give you, you know, enough notice that if you do want to book a trip back to the U.S. to coincide with that? You'll uh, you'll like be able to. Sounds like yeah. a plan. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Limavati. Uh, this is this is great whiskey. Fantastic. I, uh, I I'm going to uh, tell you that it's not just because you're sitting here. This is some of the best I think we've had on the this show in a while. Oh, wow. My question Thank is too. This is the only expression you have available at the moment. Mm -hmm. At the moment, what are your yeah. plans? What do you have in the Yeah, pipeline? I have a few a few in the pipeline. We want Limavari as is to be, you know, to stand up for right, itself. Right, right. Right. To be its own kind yeah, of core brand, yeah, right? Its own core brand. We we have launched a founders cask for, for Texas through specs. So that's Limavari exactly the same as is, only it's at 109 proof. Uh, you know I'm gonna have to. Do I know you are. Uh, I know we should have brought we should have brought you. No, I have to. I'm gonna have to go. Love specs, man. Going for the going for the the. Uh, yeah. Well, so, yeah. toast and directly influencing sales because yeah. I'm going to go buy. Well, one. Later, later on this evening, we we have a, an evening uh, launching that particular cask and the specs in mm -hmm. Houston, so that'll be fun. So it's getting let. Awesome. Where are you guys taste. gonna be doing that? Where's that at? Downtown Smith Street. Smith Street. That's, okay. that's my specs. That's the one closest to my house. So if you want to call one in, that's awesome. Yeah. So if you want to call in between six and eight. Okay. All right. There you, you get go. to try it. So, well, really I got to awesome. tell you, um, <laughs> we are uh, we are so thrilled that you uh, took the time to come on the show with us and introduce us to this. And it's it's really, really deserving of uh, of the name. Thank you. Thank you very of, much. Of Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's been so much fun. We, we appreciate it. Um, <clears throat> You know, I'm trying to remember. There was something I felt like I needed to tell you about something that was coming up you on the show. You were giving me a raise. Uh, uh, oh. Yes. Oh, wait, that's what? It. That's it. <laughs> How'd you know? Uh, I was just trying to read your mind. Starting next week, it's it's pumpkin beer time because next week's show will be the first one in October. Right, right. And so it's going to be pumpkin beer time. What we need to decide is do we want – we've done this in the past – We've done a pumpkin the, the beer blind taste, blind taste test. test yes. Do we want to do that again, or do we want to just feature some throughout the month of October? What do you think? I think I think since we've done the blind tasting, 
and I yeah. haven't seen a whole lot of new ones come up. I've seen a lot of the same uh, the same seasonals come up, and mm -hmm. there's a bunch of great ones. But I think let's feature a couple every week. Okay. Very, very I good. think a couple every week is an easy one, and we're still cutting out tons of them. Right. If we find something uh, particularly uh, outside or particularly awesome, I think we can definitely feature that. Do you want to wear a costume for the Halloween show? Who says I'm not in a costume right now? <laughs> I look just like everybody else. And just one more preview thing for you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, coming up in 2023, the debut of a new... We already have the most popular segment on the program with Drinking News. So we're looking forward to debuting what we believe will be the least popular segment on the pro program. Oh, it's going to be atrocious. Yeah, it's it's a little bit it's called... It's going to be amazing. It's a little bit called Puppet Smoking Cigars. It's going to be like staring at a car wreck. Like, you can't stop looking you, at it, you're but right. you're exactly. horrified but the But you're revulsed time. and horrified by it. Exactly. <laughs> so we have that to look forward to. Uh, Limbavati Irish Whiskey, available in 30 states now across yeah, the U.S., uh, including, of course, just recently uh, here in Texas in our home our home state so we are appreciative that we can now uh find a way to buy your product um i i think you've done great can't wait to see what else you uh sure you may come out with and this uh, uh tell me one more time about this uh special uh special cask that you did yeah, respects the it's the it's the founder's cask so it's a, a cask particularly set aside for the state of texas uh it's mm -hmm. three specs but it's essentially Limavari uh on steroids if you like at 109.3 uh, percent Sounds like it's speaking your language, brother. Oh, yeah. No, I'm totally on it. That's uh, going to be like. All right. Well, well, Daryl, thank you so much for being on the program. This has been a pleasure for us, and not just because the whiskey's good, but it, it's been fun hanging out with you and uh, and and getting to getting to hear you speak to us in your wonderful Irish accent. That's sure. been uh, that's uh, been a treat for us. So, uh, thank you. Please come back. Come back for three thirty three if you can, but come back anytime. We'd love, love to. Have you. Also, love the to. next time I talk to you, we're going to talk about just how enormous just the city of houston is yeah because you're you just got here yep yep and so by the next time i talk to you be like what the hell <laughs> <laughs> thank you for being here ladies and gentlemen for 298 episodes of smoking and toasting until we meet again cheers y'all cheers y'all <laughs> whatever happens don't leave it so soon